So I'm sitting there with like Kevin Hart and I'm like, Oh my God, like this is the coolest thing ever. And it really is so, so addicting that I knew immediately. I was like, okay, I'm not getting a job. Like I decided right then. I was like, I am not getting a regular job. I'm going to do this. If you've ever been told you weren't good enough, not big enough, not fast enough, not smart enough, or if you've ever felt paralyzed by a failure, you just weren't willing to accept. This is the show for you. Hustle and Motivate is a blueprint built by guests who've conquered obstacles, silenced critics, and overcome adversity by seeing every failure as an opportunity, realizing the true power of the underdog mentality. This is Tyler O'Shea, and you're listening to Hustle and Motivate. Kevin Caliber is a Hollywood actor, filmmaker, and fitness model, but he didn't start that way. He's a Marine veteran who, at 30 years old, sold 90% of his possessions and drove halfway across the country to become an actor. In our conversation, Kevin talks about the harsh realities of the auditioning process and the average amount of times an actor actually has to go through that process to book a single role. He tells some funny stories about working with guys like Seth Rogen and Tyler Perry, and he shares the one thing you need to do before going all in on your dreams. Kevin's such a down-to-earth guy and I had a great time talking to him, and I think you'll really enjoy our conversation. So, here is Kevin Caliber. So, can you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, my name is Kevin Caliber. I am a Hollywood actor and filmmaker. Uh, But I did not start that way. I'm originally from the Midwest. I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, Played sports growing up, joined the military out of high school, and kind of sputtered through my 20s and finally made the move out to Los Angeles to make it in Hollywood when I turned 30. Hmm. It's amazing. We're going to touch on all that stuff, but you're in the series uh, Future Man, Supergirl, and CW, uh, The Haves and the Have-Nots. You've worked with Seth Rogen, Tyler Perry, a lot of other big names. Um, What would you say has been your favorite experience so far? I would have to say my favorite experience, uh, it's definitely two of them there. The the Future Man bit is is the the, the funniest and just the craziest. It's a zany show. And going in for like the first table read, and I remember saying one of my lines, and I could hear Seth Rogen's laugh from the <laughs> audience because he was uh, he was there for the table read. So that that was my uh, one of my more euphoric moments of I can't believe that this is, you know just made this dude laugh. And then uh, and then the other one is uh, Tyler Perry and the haves and the have-nots. Just the way that they work down there and seeing, because Tyler is truly an inspiration to me. He was living in his car as a playwright and was destitute and working every as hard as he could to do everything. And now he has his name on everything, everything. He makes it a point to make it his brand because he didn't want to partner with, with anybody because he knew he was, it was his vision. So everything is directed, written by, and he is there every step of the way. I've worked with these other people that have their names on things, and it's a name only, whether it be a producer or something. But with Tyler, he is there on set every single bit of the way, um, directing and just being there every bit of the way. And he doesn't even have to be. I mean, he, it's something that he could easily hire somebody else to do the, to do the daily grind. And he's the one that's there. And the big building that he has there in his Tyler Perry studios, he calls it a dream building because it really is a dream. And whenever you go there, you understand why. That uh, this was a man's dream and he made it happen. So he's, he's the most inspiring person I've ever been lucky enough to be around and watch work. And that's down in Atlanta, right? Correct. Yeah, he, uh, he, he's been working out of Atlanta for forever and he changed studios. He bought up an old military base that was just overgrown, hadn't been used in years. And everybody told me it was crazy to try and do that. And he's built this like almost like mini city down there within Atlanta. So I, I've been fortunate enough to be, go down there and work for the last three years out of LA. And it's always a treat. Like I almost can't wait to get that call knowing that I'm, knowing that I'm going to Atlanta because it's a, it's a change of pace from LA, but also just the way that they treat you down there. Uh, Hollywood can be a very, very cruel place. Um, 
they kind of chew you up, spit you out. It's a, it's a sad, sad truth. But down there, it feels like your family. It just feels like everything. Everybody's more welp- welcoming. It's uh, it's it's an amazing experience. It's so different from Hollywood that me as a filmmaker now, I try to take some of what he uses and implement that into my sets and into the way that I do business. And it's cool to see like the film industry blossoming and kind of extending past Hollywood now. Like there's so many other options. All these streaming services popping up. Um, do you have any other big projects you're working on now? Yeah, the big one that I'm working on now is a feature film called 16 Bits. I play a fun character called uh, named Wax Waster. He is a video game character come to life. So it's kind of my my take on what would be, I, I obviously I can't budget out to be in a superhero movie or anything that I'm doing on my own uh, uh, in the independent level. So this is kind of that. It's a bit larger than life character. It's a lot of fun to be able to play that. I actually kind of took some tips from uh, what I learned on the show Future Man, mm-hmm. which is uh, time travelers come from the future. They're, uh, they're, they're a, a, a video game characters. that was actually a simulation of, uh, of, of the future, like a future war that was going on. So it's kind of cool because there's time travel involved and there's uh, – and then there's that sci-fi element to it. So in my my film, 16 Bits, we're kind of taking some of that, and I'm taking a lot of uh, the character development. My character is named Blaze on Future Man, and the the my my best friend on the show, who's one of the leads, his his character name is Wolf. So Wax Waster is kind of a combination of uh, Wolf and Blaze. If uh, if uh, that's that's where my creativity came in from. <laughs> that's pretty cool. And when's that when's that going to come out? That one's going to come out early next year. We're still uh, we're still doing a crowdfund for it. We've been shooting parts of it. So if anybody is interested, you can find it through 16 Bits. We are on. We have an Indiegogo running. We uh, you can find us on all the sites uh, on the Facebook. It's it's a 16 Bits movie on Facebook and Twitter and um, on Instagram. It is just Wax Waster, Wax with two X's. And uh, it's a lot of fun. It's uh, I got a great team on that one. It's people that I've worked with uh, in the past. And being in Hollywood, you meet a lot of people. That it, it's a funny thing where everybody says, "Oh, we should work together. We should work together." Yeah. Oh, wow, you're great. We should work together again. But most of it's just fluff. It's people that you will literally never see again. Or or sometimes it's a. Uh, Two years later, somebody will give you a call and say, hey, I got a part that you're perfect for. So it's all about making those connections. And this is a project that it's connections that I've been making for right about four years. Uh, the director, I worked with him three years ago on a film called Ugly Sweater Party. And then we brought in a producer from that directed me in another film called Death Day. And then I'm using one of my producing partners that uh, that I shot my series. I have another series that uh, we could talk about called Job Guys, and I brought him in. It's just like this this cool power team, and it's uh, it's a lot a lot of fun because, like I said, you you meet so many people that aren't really genuine or don't necessarily have the same vision or work ethic. So to actually find a group of people that you like to work with, I think that that's key because Hollywood is something that you definitely can't do it by yourself. You definitely need good people around you that have the same, same intentions and the same vision. That's awesome, man. You could obviously tell in your voice that you love what you do, but according to your story, you know, that wasn't always the case. So going back to your early days growing up in St. Louis, did you ever have the thought of becoming a Hollywood actor? Well, not, not really. It was always something that was just like that pie in the sky dream that as a, as a kid growing up, uh, I grew up right outside of St. Louis and then moved into St. Louis uh, in, in my preteen days. And it was growing up in the 80s and the 90s and just watching these larger-than-life characters, these action movies, that was always my favorite. Like Arnold Schwarzenegger is like the coolest person yeah. <laughs> in the world to me. And uh, so to watch all these movies, it was always like these dreams that, uh, you know, that's what I would – play where I was in the backyard I'd be out in the woods pretending that we're in predator and things like that but I never really thought that it was a it was a viable option it's almost a shame that uh, I've actually become more connected to the film community in Missouri since I've moved away because it was just something I didn't know how to find it was pre-internet it was uh 
you know, if you didn't go to film school, you didn't know anybody. And I only took one, one film class in college. And just from that one class, uh, I'm not sure how much I really, really learned from it as far as the filmmaking aspect of it. But I knew that it was something that just always interested me. And growing up, you mentioned to me that you were in a pretty bad car accident. Can you take me through that? Yeah, so I played sports my whole life. It was year round. Um, my dad was uh, my dad was the most encouraging person, still is to this day. He was my baseball coach. He was my basketball coach. He drove me to football every day. He, uh, he you know, he bought me my first weight set. He, he took me to my first gym and took me took me every day. I was I was a heavier kid, so it was something that I knew that like I was you know wanted to be more of the buff. I didn't want to be just a heavy kid. I knew I was never going to be skinny. So uh, my dad really took that, took me under his wing in that regard. So I played sports just year round. I mean, we would play baseball all summer long. Baseball's huge in St. Louis being, you know, St. Louis Cardinals are still my favorite team this day. And uh, so we played baseball all, all summer long, all throughout the fall, we would play football, we would play basketball all winter, and it was just playing sports year-round. And then whenever I was 15 years old, um, got in a real bad car accident, I shattered part of my leg, um, shattered my uh, patella, which is the kneecap, um, popped a hole somewhere in my um, – somewhere – it wasn't my lung, it was somewhere in uh, my breathing um, – I don't know, my windpipe or something like that. So, so with that, you can't eat food uh, because food has bacteria in it and if anything gets in your bloodstream. So, so I was in the hospital for about a week and a half with ended up having three major knee surgeries over the course of two years. So I never played a sport again. Uh, I mean, I, I could play pickup, but I never played on another team. And that was really the big, the big uh, crushing loss. Um, it was always my dream to go play college football. And uh, even when I was about 25, I thought about going back and playing college football. I said, hey, I still got my eligibility. I feel good. <laughs> and uh, I al- almost did it. The reason why I did when I was 25 is that uh, the local school that I was looking at, they did not offer off campus. And I was, uh, I was already married. I got married at 24 and I was already married and they would not allow me to live with my wife. They said that, uh, they do nothing co-ed. And if I'm in sports, I have to live in the dorms. And I already ridiculous. had a house and a mortgage. Yeah. I already had a house and a mortgage. I was like, <laughs> I can't, I can't go live in a dorm room. <laughs> so, so that, so that dream, uh, quickly, quickly faded of, uh, going back, but, uh, it's probably, probably for the better. I, I probably didn't need to go out there and, had my head knocked in at that age. <laughs> and what was high school like for you after the injury? High school was really interesting for me. It was, uh, I was, I was almost like the, how do, how do you say it? I, I, I got along with everybody, but I didn't fit into one certain group. Like, yeah. like I said, I, I played the sports, but all the jocks, they were kind of these, in my school, they're all kind of these preppy guys. They all had their little polo shirts and they were all, they all only hung out with each other. And I never owned a polo shirt. I was more of a band t-shirt kid and, you know, always a t-shirt and jeans guy. So I would, um, and then I also did theater. Uh, like I said, always had a passion for, uh, for the theater. And, and it was a funny thing going into theater because they all saw me more as a jock because that's kind of what you're known as. So the, so the theater kids, where theater kids could be pretty tough, they're pretty clicky. Uh, even as adults, the theater crowd is just really, re- really, really clicky. So, uh, so I didn't really get along with the theater kids, even though I was in all the shows with them. I didn't necessarily fit in with the athletes, even though I played on all the teams. So it was kind of this weird in between, and I would. Uh, mostly go hang out with uh, and play music with uh, kind of the more of the stoner type kids. We would, uh, we were kind of the alternative kind of, uh, kind of the freaks of the, of the school. We weren't like hardcore goths or anything, but uh, we were definitely the uh, little bit more of the different, the alternative kids. Cool. So you're a Marine Corps veteran. First of all, thank you for your service, your dedication to this country. What, what made you want to join the Marines? So I graduated high school in 2000 and um, I was the middle of five kids and my parents had gotten a divorce 
uh, what was that, my junior year of high school. So there wasn't really any a college fund for me per se. And um, so out of high school, I just went and got a job. I always worked throughout school. I think I got my four, first job at like 14. I was always always a hard worker. So so I went and got a job right out of high school. And uh, I was working construction, was working construction as an 18-year-old. It's, pre- it's pretty good money. And uh, so I was doing pretty good. I was still, still living at home. And uh, then about, about a year later is whenever 9-11 happened. So I remember waking up and uh, I think it was my, my mom gave me a call right after the first, the first plane took the first hour. And I remember sitting there watching it. And then of course we're all addicted to, to the TVs watching CNN for the next month. And then it was, uh, it was a couple of weeks later and I decided, uh, you know, I think, uh, I think it's time to, time to do something. I'm a, I'm a healthy male at the, the right age. I was 19. So went in and, um, uh, joined, joined the Marine Corps. I had an older sister that did the, uh, that was in the army that is still in the army to this day. And, uh, my dad was in the air force. My dad went into the air force during Vietnam. And while he was, while he was there, he became a aeronautical engineer. So we got a great education out of it. So, so after having a heart to heart with my parents, I said, I think I want to go. They said, uh, cool, go join the air force or go join the Coast Guard. They didn't want me to be in a dangerous uh, type of position. But I said, look, that's not my personality. I am, I'm hardcore. The Marines is the toughest, the most physical one. I mean, that's just who I am. They said, okay, if you're going to join the Marine Corps, you're not going to join um, as an infantry. You will not be a foot soldier. Make sure you get a good job. So, so I did go in because um, my testing, my scores were pretty good. So I went into the intelligence so I worked in an intelligence office in the Marine Corps, which later on led me to be able to be a um, work as a civil engineer in the civilian world after I got out. So that's what I did uh, throughout my 20s was uh, worked as a worked as a civil engineer. And what were your 20s like? Like how did how did the idea of pursuing acting actually come about? So 20s was interesting. I got out of the Marine Corps early 20s. Uh, I said, settled down, got married. I was playing music. I was, uh, music was always a passion of mine. Uh, had a rock band called DeSober. We were, we were pretty, pretty decent sized for St. Louis. We would play big shows and let us open up for big people. And they'd play us on the local radio. And, uh, it was a real trip. So it was, uh, I, I considered giving music a go. Uh, I, I was ready to, I would have moved to LA then. And, uh, pursued music but the rest of the guys they just weren't quite weren't quite convinced they had you know they had their restraints which makes sense it's a big uh, it's a big leap of faith so in my mid-20s the band kind of broke up I just got the nine to five job I said I was married and me and her we were uh, we were training partners we, we we took the like distance running we ran marathons all over the country we did um we got into the into more of the uh, the fitness aspect of it. Got really healthy, um, and that 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 became our lives. We were the annoying couple that would bring our own food to to dinner parties because we can't eat the crap that they're going to serve us. And uh, and uh, so so that was us. We became this this little boring mundane couple. We would get up and run every morning and go to the gym every evening. And we both had nine to five jobs. And then um, in my later 20s, somebody actually tagged me in something on Facebook that said, um, casting a show, uh, it was a take on Modern Family. It was pretty much, a, it was um, like kind of a rip off of Modern Family, the same type of template. And they said, uh, casting a show, need a, need a leading, leading male. So somebody tagged me and uh, I said, oh, that, that'd be cool. You know, I was in good shape, felt good, felt like, you know, I've been taking care of myself. Like, I could do that. So, uh, so went, went and met with them, um, ended up, uh, ended up getting it. We shot, we shot and then we uh, went to shoot the pilot. They were like, great. The show's going to be picked up. It's going to be huge. You guys are, your whole world is changing. It's uh, the Hollywood dream all happening right, right then and there out of St. Louis of all places. So I, you know, I'm taking, per- I didn't tell anybody at work. I'm taking personal days off. I'm going, I filmed for two weeks. I'm, I'm feeling good about it. And then, and then the show never gets picked up. It, it just never sells. It's, 
it's just just a very deflating thing. I mean, I still have the picture of me signing my first TV contract. I thought I was, I thought I had it made. I was like, can't wait. I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to go do this. And then you're just sitting at home. And, uh, so time was gone by and then my house was up for sale. And then the same week that my house sold, I got an email saying that, uh, that our contract was up and that they they pretty much were, were not pursuing selling the show as an option anymore. And I was free to do what I want. So, so me and, uh, me, me and, me and the wife, we sat there and we had a heart to heart and said, well, what are we going to do? Now's the time. And, uh, she, she's a performer as well. She's a musician as well. She's a great singer. Um, got, got good things going on for her. Her name's Katie Caliber. She's, uh, she's phenomenal. And we sat there and we said, uh, well, if we're going to do it, now's the time I was, uh, I had turned 30 years old in this little process of waiting. So I think I was 28, 29, whenever I shot the, uh, shot the pilot and it was a year contract. So, so I since turned 30 and I said, I don't want to work this nine to five. Like, I just know that that's not me. And if I, if we're going to do this, now's the time. So, so, um, I, I could honestly say I don't think I would have done it without her. She was one that uh, always and continues to push push me to uh, to achieve my dreams and is the most amazing supportive person. And we uh, we packed it all up. We uh, literally sold sold ninety percent of our furniture, packed up just enough, and moved from a five bedroom house into a one bedroom apartment in LA. And we packed the truck and took our dogs and you know drove drove out west. Wow. And you hear those stories and you see it on TV all the time, you know, people packing up, moving to Hollywood, but what was it actually like for you? Like, what was the reality of it? It was a, it was, it was a mixed bag. It was, it was pretty scary of course, but at the same time with, uh, I've, I've, like I said, I've always been a hard worker. So I knew that I would at least be able to get work where I was stationed in the Marine Corps. I was stationed in San Diego and Oceanside was about halfway between San Diego and Los Angeles. And I just fell in love with California. I said, look, if uh, worst comes to worst, worst case scenario, we'll go get nine to fives and um, we will be living in California. I said, uh, I loved Missouri. I loved growing up there, but I didn't necessarily want to grow old there. I was getting pretty tired of the winters. I was getting, you know, it's, uh, yeah. I'm an outdoorsy person. So out here in California, I was have the oceans, the mountains, everything you could really imagine. So, whenever we first got here, I initially went out to get a job. I said, tell you what, you can pursue your music right out the gate. I'll get a job. I'll be the breadwinner for a while. And I said, we'll get established. Um, I'll still, I'll get into my acting. I'll do it as much as I can, but the focus will be on that. I kind of took the back seat on that. And then I could not find a job. I was like, look, I've been an engineer. I was a, uh, I was a part-time mailman. I worked for, I was a Saturday delivery guy. So I was like, I could go get a job doing that and just nothing. Literally could not find a job. I'm not bilingual. So that took me out of so many, you know, out here in California, everybody speaks Spanish. So it really took me out of so many possibilities. I couldn't even go get like a regular factory job. So within a week, I had already, you know, gone around and uh, started started putting my name out there and started uh, uh, submitting for gigs. And within a week, I found myself on my first set. And it was so addicting to just end up on set like like so fast, even if it was just doing like background. I was just uh, I found myself just. So I'm sitting there with like Kevin Hart and I'm like, Oh my God, like this is the coolest thing ever. And it really is so, it's so addicting that I knew immediately I was like, okay, I'm not getting a job. Like I decided right then I was like, I am not getting a regular job. I'm going to do this. Like I have to do this. Like I didn't, I didn't come here to, to get a factory job. Like I was willing to do it because I will do whatever it takes to pay bills. But at the end of the day, I said, uh, if ever there was a sign, to do something and do something right and make, you know, really put yourself out there and take that leap. It was, uh, that was it because I know a lot of people that have moved here, that live here, that call themselves actors, call themselves writers, filmmakers, whatever. But at the end of the day, they don't do that. It's, uh, so I, I said, this is what I'm going to do. And that's what I've been fortunate enough to, 
to be able to do. And every year it gets a little bit better. The roles, you know, that I am either offered or auditioning for and booking get bigger and better every time. The, uh, the opportunities just keep getting better because it's, it's, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's not, Hey, Hollywood, I'm here. Put me in a big movie and, <laughs> and let me, let me be famous. It, uh, it doesn't, it, it doesn't work like that. If it worked like that, everybody would do it. But the reality is there's, there's something ridiculous, like 40,000 people a month come to LA or something like that. And the same 40,000 people a month leave. So it's, uh, it's a shame that some of the coolest people I've ever met, some of the most talented people, people that are you know, honestly better, better actors than me, you know, funnier than I am, whatever the case may be, you see them come and you see them struggle and then you see them move away, whether it's move back home or just, you know, move on from, from the scene before they even get close to making it. And it's a, uh, it's a shame that this is a town that, that does that, but the fact of the matter is, is that it's not easy. It's something that you got to grind it out every day. And even when you got nothing on the, on the calendar, you have to, sometimes you have to create things for yourself. You have to be willing to, to do things last minute. I get calls all the time. Early in my career, I was making a, making a living, almost replacing other people. It was roles that I didn't book, but also the person who did book it became, became unavailable because it happens so often that I would get a call last minute and says, Hey, can you be here in an hour? And it doesn't matter what I'm doing. And it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I could, I could be there. And it's, uh, it's uh, half of half of it is just showing up and being available. You know, the most the best ability in Hollywood is availability. And um, if you're not here and you're not available to do the job, it's a shame that uh, you know we'll find somebody else that is. And in such a competitive environment, you know, you're among all these people with you know theater experience. They went to acting school, whatever. Like you said, people with more experience than you. How do you find the confidence to really believe that you could make it? Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. That really is because whenever, like I said, I came out here at 30. So, so I'm literally going on auditions with zero credits, never been in front of a camera really, you know, in, in, in the LA world before. And I'm going against people that have been doing it for years and years and years. And I find myself, it's almost funny whenever I do go to some of these auditions, because as the auditions get better, the competition gets much stouter. Like I've, I've been in a waiting room and I've recognized five people that are in the waiting room with me. Uh, I'm not going to do name drops, but there's people that names. And if I said, and he's like, Oh, that, he was there. I was like, yeah, we're going out for this. Go, we're going out for this big role on shooter or something. You know, it's like, you know, I've, I've been watching, watching TV and I see, and I see a character that I went out for and I'm like, Oh, Oh, they got him. Like, Oh, that's a, that's a name actor. Like that guy, you know, like I just saw one. There was a new show that just came out. That was a, that's a pretty big show that I read for. And I looked and it's, and it's a legit name actor that's on it. And I was like, oh, did I even have a shot? It was, like, was he at the audition too? Like it's, uh, it, it's pretty humbling. But at the same time, I know that if I'm right for it, if I put in the work, that something's going to hit. Uh, people are like, wow, you're on fire. How'd you do it? I go, on average, I book one in 30 auditions. So that's literally 30 times that I have to print off the script, learn it, get dressed, make sure I look the part, um, you know, because you always want to dress like the character. And then I drive across town, sit in a waiting room. The whole process is hours. I mean, it could take a full day to go to one audition. You do this whole process. You go in there, you walk into this room, and they're like, okay, go. And then they turn on the camera. You act for a minute and a half because they typically give you like two pages to do, which takes, yeah, like a minute and a half. And then they, and then if they, if they have a redirect, maybe they give it to you. If they like what you did, they say, okay, thank you for coming in. And then it's that, all that, all that preparation and all that for one minute and a half on camera. And then you walk out and you're like, okay, now I'm in. Now I'm in Hollywood and it's 4.30 and I got to go sit in traffic for 50 minutes to drive home. And, and then you never hear anything. And then it's just, it really weighs down on you. And then for me on average, like I say, I have to do that 30 times to then get that one call. But it's like, when you get that call, when you get to go and perform and then 
you know, it's, it's just a celebration of all of the work that you did. It's so, it, it could be so tough that putting in all this work daily, it's like going to class, you know, two times a week and just spending all the, all this time, money and effort. And you're just, you know, for some people, I can see why people get, you know, so jaded whenever they don't book something. And then, you know, and then you get mad, you get mad at the world, you get mad at the business, the industry, you get mad at yourself, you get down. But for me, it's, well, if I'm right for it, I'm right for it because I know something's going to strike. And then sometimes it does. Whenever I booked my role on uh, the haves and the have nots, I was working on a, on a different film at the same time. And uh, with it shooting out of Atlanta, I audition for Atlanta a lot. Most time I just have to make a self tape. So that's just, you know, setting it up in my home and, you know, filming myself and sending it in, you know, electronically. So with, uh, with this one though, I misread the email. I saw shoots in Atlanta on camera or on tape. And I just thought, Oh, okay. I'll just make a self tape. Like whatever. And my agent calls me like, Hey, where are you at? You're supposed to, you're supposed to be there. I was like, oh, um, I thought it was self-tape. They're like, no, 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 this is in the room. And I reread the email. That's what I get for skimming the email. You know, I was on set. I skimmed <laughs> it. It was like, I'll get back to this later after I get off set. I got other things to concentrate on. And I look at it, and, it's, and it says, on, on tape for the producers, but in the room. I'm like, oh, oh, crap. All right, so I go and ask the director. Like, hey, man, like, uh, can I can I cut out to go to this audition? He's like, dude, you're in every scene today. Like, no, you keep, like we, we need you here. I go, all right, well, what, what about my lunch break? He does the, the groan and the eye roll. And, all right, man, if you got to go during your lunch break. I was like, okay, cool. So, so I'm driving through Hollywood. Uh, luckily, I was shooting in Hollywood. It was only about a 15-minute ride. I hadn't even looked at the script to this point. And I, I'm, I'm reading it, and I'm literally eating, eating out of Tupperware because I still, you know, I bring my, bring my own food most places I go. So, so I'm eating out of Tupperware on my lap, driving through Hollywood, and then I get to the audition. There's one person ahead of me that gives me enough time to read the script like two, three times in the waiting room, like on my phone. And then, I, and then I get called, and I walk in there, and, uh, and their first line, they say, hey. And I'm supposed to say, yeah. And then they say, what's your name? So I get in there. They go, hey. I look right at it. I go, hey. In my head, I'm like, damn it. First word. I already messed up. Like, like oh, I'm like, this isn't not going well. Like, and then, you know, end up, you know, whatever. I, I felt the rest of it went fine. And, um, and then I get the call that I booked it. Wow. And three years later, 20, 25 episodes of television later, and that is like one of the biggest, you know, my, like probably my, definitely my most lucrative role that I've done, but possibly my biggest role that I've done so far. And it was almost that attitude of not, not caring. That's not what it is. But if I would have saw, Hey, this is going to be a recurring character that's going to last for three years. And I probably would have put in so much work. I would have that, that script would have lived in my hand for two days and I would have done it every which way. And I probably would have went in there and I probably would have overacted. I would have been tense. I would have been, you know, so like, Oh my God, this is a great opportunity. It's going to Atlanta for years to come. And, uh, and I probably wouldn't have got it. So it's the weirdest thing to think because for roles that big, typically I would hire a coach. I would do a private coaching session. I would workshop it. I mean, you know, I would put in the work, but it's so funny that something like that, like with, with literally never saying the words out loud, like I never said them. I didn't say the words out loud when I was in the waiting room, reading the script for the first time. I just got in there and literally on camera at the audition was the first time I ever said the words out loud. So it's pretty amazing that I, I could be blessed with something like that, that whatever it was that I brought in that moment, they saw in me. And then even whenever I went to Atlanta, they brought me into uh, they brought me into the executive producer's office, and he had a talk with me. He said, "Look, uh, I'll be honest with you. We move fast here. It's kind of a soap opera style. They're like, we move fast here. We liked what you did in the audition. Don't change a thing. Just do that. Bring that character and everything. Know your lines, and everything will be fine." And it was like, "Okay." And uh, Boy, were they not kidding? Because they move fast down wow. there. An average, an average day on an LA set is about five pages that they do. Um, 
a movies it could be less than a page you know 90 shoot days for a 90 page script so so out there they do between 80 and 100 pages a day oh my god so uh so it's just it's at this rapid fire pace and uh because he, he he he's a machine he knows what he wants and uh and they shoot it like i said whenever i whenever i take the style of filming whenever i see how they do it down there it's what i want to implement on my on my sets and i get in trouble because uh like my web series job guys which will be uh which will be coming out um, here in a couple months. It, it's uh, whenever I work with that, I I, I act as the uh, as the first AD. So I so I'm the guy that does kind of the scheduling. I'm the one that's always looking at the script and saying what scene we're going to do next. And uh, so I'll do that. And then my my uh, my director will be like, "All right, man. Like we are not Tyler Perry. We do not have those <laughs> kind of resources because <laughs> they're." they're essentially pointing four cameras at everything. So it's like here for us, we're doing one single camera. So for every scene, we have to set the camera up four different times where for them, they just, you know, they just do it like that. He's like, all right, man, like we can't, I'm like, Oh yeah, you're right. Like he's definitely got to keep me in check. I was like, I've definitely been spoiled being down in Atlanta and uh, seeing the way that they work. Cause like I said, it's just a well-oiled machine. It is. Uh, and uh, part of it is because they use the same crew. They, uh, they use the same crew for all their shows, all their, pretty much all their movies. And they just, uh, they, they all know it. They, they've got a lingo and they got it down. So uh, it's uh, very, very cool to see. So I think that that's half of what it is, is uh, just trying to implement that, like anything, into your lifestyle. Like people ask me how I could eat so healthy or work out so much. I'm like, oh, I just... I wake up and I know how to make breakfast. It literally takes me five minutes. Like yeah. anybody says that they don't have time. I'm like, well, try like wake up 10 minutes earlier and give yourself five extra minutes to do that. And it will pay dividends. You know, people say, Oh, I don't have time for breakfast. But then they'll say, Oh, but I stop at Starbucks and you know, mm-hmm. get a sandwich. I'm like, I guarantee you it's taking you longer to go to Starbucks and buy that sandwich than what it is for me to, you know, make my, make my eggs and my oatmeal in the morning. (laughs) Yeah. And going off of that, fitness is a huge part of your life. Has it always been that way? Uh, pretty much. It was, I kind of touched on that earlier. My dad actually took me to the first gym powerhouse gym in South St. Louis when I was, Jeez, what was that? I might have only been 13 years old. I remember we had to go in and meet with the owner because the owner says, sorry, we don't take people that young. And then once he met me, saw that I was a big kid, I was a pretty well-developed kid. So, so he sees me and he says, okay, yeah, you could work out here. So, so my dad taught, uh, took me, you know, three days a week or whatever for a couple of years. Then he bought me my own weight set, which I actually still use to this day. Uh, I still, I brought the dumbbells out here. And uh, so thanks dad. It's been over 20 years. I remember whenever he bought them for me, he says, I'll only get them for you. If you promise that you'll use them. I don't want this. <laughs> so 20 years later, dad, I'm still using them. So, uh, so it was, for me, it was a means to, to, to be in the person that I wanted to be. I knew I, um, I had this idea in my head. Like I said, I was used to the big action stars. Like that's what I thought, you know, like my, my dream dream build was American gladiators was on back then. I was like, oh, I want to be an American gladiator. And then, uh, and then with the car accident, I put on, geez, it ended up being over 50 pounds. I put on cause I still had the, I still had the appetite, you know, grown boy. I, I would sit on the, sit on the couch and just eat because, uh, I, I was in, it was six weeks of crutches, uh, another however long it was, but I couldn't do cardio, I couldn't do squats, couldn't do anything for, for right about two years. So the weight just, just adds up, you know, it's a, unless you change your, change your diet, and I didn't, I didn't know anything about dieting back then. So I, I blew up to be about 230 pounds, and I was still probably only like 5'10", so it was a, it was a big kid. And um, then whenever the doc told me, all right, you're free to your freedom to do what you do, the weight just fell off. I mean, I was the most active person. I didn't make too many changes in my diet, but I was just so active that uh, I dropped the weight again. And then in the military, I was always right about, right about 200 pounds. And then it wasn't until post-military where I was married that uh, we decided to uh, start eating clean. We were finding out about organics and things like that. And it's a funny thing that my hair started, I started losing my hair in my, in my early twenties. Um, and it was like, I have an autoimmune, couple autoimmune diseases. I have, 
I have psoriasis that was building up pretty bad. And then whenever I actually made the changes to eating healthier, um, like my, my psoriasis went away, my hair stopped falling out. Like it was a weird thing. It's like, I look like I have more hair now at 37 than I did at 24. And it's a, it's a weird thing that, uh, what, what you put in your body just, you know, it, it really makes all the difference. And for me, it's, it's been totally worth it. Uh, like I said, I ran marathons all over the country. And then in the last five years, I got into doing um, physique competitions. It was something I just wanted to do for me. I don't want to be a bodybuilder. I don't, I'm not trying to be a professional. I just said, you know, I need something to get in shape for, something to look forward to. So it was almost like whenever I did marathons, I would get up and run every day. But it's like, are you going to run a mile? Are you going to run five miles? Like, who knows? You don't have a goal. But then once I had that running chart in front of me that I knew 16 weeks to get to 26 miles, and I knew that every Sunday I would have to do my long run. It goes from 10 to 12 to 14, all the way up to 21 miles on a, on a just Sunday. And you're literally waking up at 7 a.m. on a Sunday. So that means not going out on Saturday night because you have to run 21 miles all by yourself on Sunday morning, like just in the park. It's like – even fathom that like people always say why would you do that to yourself i was like i don't know i don't know <laughs> like what do you get at the end i was like i don't know you get a medal <laughs> i get a medal and a t-shirt it cost me 150 bucks so it's kind of the same thing with uh with my physique training i um so years ago i just decided um you know i'm gonna do this just for me i'm in good shape uh I haven't played a bodybuilder on TV once. I'm like, you know, I know I could get in a little bit better shape. I've never actually been there. Like I, said, I was always kind of a heavier kid. So even in my 30s, I felt like I was still kind of walking around with a little bit of baby fat. Like I'd never really like quite gotten to where I wanted to be. So um, four years ago, I uh, decided to, to, to do a competition. And first, first one I didn't play. Second one, uh, I, I went out to Muscle Beach in Venice, Venice Beach, California, and uh, and finished third. And I was like, oh hey, all right, like we're out here at the meccas, where all the, you know, it's like the place that I've always yeah. thought of in my in my growing up. Oh, it's Muscle Beach, like that's 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 where it's at. And I finished third, so yeah, quickly got addicted to that too. So I went out the next year and uh, and I finished first in my class, and it was. Uh, an amazing feeling. And again, people say, Oh, wow, would you win? I was like, Oh, I won this trophy. They're like, There's no prize money. There's no nothing. I'm like, You get to say no, that you won. Not at all. Yeah. Exactly. It's, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's a pride thing. Nobody's going to take that from me. I got this, I got that trophy up on my wall, and it's, uh, you know, it's, it's something I'm proud of. And it's funny because I look at it, I'm like, Okay. Let me see. I think I spent $60 on a spray tan, $100 to enter the tournament. Had to buy those shorts that cost me another fifty. Okay, yeah, I'm in for a couple hundred bucks. <laughs> but uh, but it's just like, who cares? Like, what else was I going to do? I could have easily spent that money going out to eat five times. Yeah. So so it's all about what you do and the choices that you make. And for me, it keeps me in check. I uh, I was specifically doing the Memorial Day show every year because I'm like, you know, what? I want to be in shape for summer. So then it'll give me something. I'll train all throughout the spring. Summertime will hit because I mean I give up drinking, I give up the late nights because uh, I mean I still like to enjoy myself. I'm still a social drinker. I'm still still definitely enjoy gatherings. I go to a lot of Hollywood events with the open bars and the, you know the free food and people come around with tray passers and it's it's very inviting. You know it's yeah. it's hard to turn down free appetizers where they're walking under your nose. So. <laughs> So for me, I was doing it during the spring, and then I'm like, great, I'll be in great shape for the summertime. And I would do that, and then uh, this last year, so I did that one with being, uh, I guess it was four years in a row, I did, I did the Memorial Day one. And then this year, I was like, you know what, I'm not going to do it. Like, let me just take a break from it. And it's funny how one thing breeds another thing. Like you put energy into one thing and then that energy is transferable to go into something else. Like some of my biggest roles that I've booked, I've probably booked based just on my muscles or based on my build. Like I played Superman. Like I, I didn't get that because I don't work out. Like it's, I've been, whenever I was in the gym, I wasn't saying I'm going to be Superman. It's just, it, it breeds that. So this last year, I was getting I was getting in good shape to play my character Wax Waster, and I said I'm going to get in great shape. This is my thing. I'm going to look the best that I have ever looked. 
so I'm, I'm, I'm getting there and it's, you know, we're, we're doing our filming. We do a photo shoot. And I was like, Ooh, yeah, I feel good. And then, uh, and then there was another, another, you know, physique competition coming up. This one is called uh, Mr. Muscle beach. And I was like, Ooh, Mr. Muscle beach. Like, yeah, it's on the 4th of July. I said, well, I'm in good shape. Man, wax has got me in some good shape. I think, uh, <laughs> I think I might do that. So I go ahead and, uh, I only had to cut for about three weeks. I'm not like, I, I mean, I was still, you know, enjoying life all the way up until three weeks before. I mean, I'm not, I'm not sacrificing a whole, whole lot. And uh, so I do that and I just kicked it in the hind gear, did my extra hour of cardio every morning. And, and then, yeah, went out there and took first place again. I hadn't won first place in three years. I, I finished second the last two years. And every time we finished second, finishing second is really, really good. Don't get me wrong. Like I'm, super proud like oh my god second place like but there's that other party that god i want first place you know? <laughs> yeah. the, the competitive side you know like i said i can't play sports anymore so this is the closest that i could get to playing sports mm-hmm. so i said all right so i went uh and it was something that i wasn't even going to do but because i was getting in shape for for my 16 bits film i was in the shape went out there took first and then two weeks later auditioned for something else and because i was in such good shape I booked another really big thing for the company Beachbody. And it's basically like if I wouldn't have been in the shape that I was, I probably would not have booked it. So it's just kind of whatever the incentive is, whether it's just doing it for you, whether it's you want to look good for vacation, you want to look, look good. It, it really is. It's, a, it's, a, it's in a sense that any effort and energy that you put into it, like if all of a sudden you cut out the junk food because you want to look good, all of a sudden, you know, your medical starts getting better. Your health gets better. It all, you know, all that positivity and doing good for yourself, it all, it all breeds good. I think that all those auditions that I did not book, I learned so much from them because now I'm, I'm, I'm getting better at breaking down scripts. I'm getting better at character developments. It could be, I could be negative about it and say, Oh, I haven't booked in two months. Like, I suck. What is wrong? That what a waste of time that was. I can't believe I drove for two hours to to do that audition and I didn't even get a call back. Like, what was it for? It's like, well, it's because it's making you better and it's making you stronger in your craft. And whatever it is that you learn from that, use it. You know, it's uh, use it. If you gotta lose, if you gotta do this or do that for something, then think of it as a as a positive that you could then will, will then be used for something else. And some of our listeners out there might be listening to your story and, you know, say, wow, he took a really big risk, changed careers and it worked out for him, but maybe they're still feeling that uncertainty for themselves. What advice would you give people who might be a little hesitant to go all in on their dreams? I would say, be sure that it's what you want to do. Um, it's really easy to second guess and have doubts. I said, I had the doubts about my music career and I didn't do it. Um, Whether or not I would have crashed and burned, I don't know. But just make sure that it's something that you really feel strongly about. And I think it was Jim Carrey that had that speech where he said that, you know, you could fail at doing something that you don't like. So you might as well try and succeed at something that you do love. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's just the motto is, uh, is it's worth if it's worth the risk i talk to people all the time say god i wish i would have done that or i wish i could do that i'm like you're still a young person like i didn't have doubts i was i was married and had the had the good job and was locked into a house and and it just wasn't fulfilling for me i mean i love my family i love the people that are around me but it's just every day wasn't what i wanted to do so i think it's just don't be afraid to find that even if it's uh even if it's on another level, just don't be afraid. The bills, the, the this, the that, those things will come. There's always a will, there's a way. If you're, if you're a hard worker or you want to put you know, the effort into the right places, the payoff will be worth it, guaranteed. That's great advice, man. I really, really enjoyed talking to you. So before we wrap things up, do you want to tell people where they can find you, how they can support what you got going on? Yeah, absolutely. I'm Kevin Caliber. You can find me everywhere uh, on all the social medias. Um, I said 16 Bits Movie is the big film that I'm doing. That's a Wax Waster. 
love that love that guy love that project i have um my my web series that i'm executive producer creator and lead on is called job guys i've got another series that's uh, airing right now on youtube it's called extrology there's e-x-t-r-a-l-o-g-y i co-wrote and directed that that was my directorial debut that season one is ongoing right now. Please give it a watch. It's very funny. We got a great, funny leading lady, uh, Alessandra DiMartino. She's uh, she should be a star. She should be uh, she should be on Saturday Night Live. She's absolutely hilarious. So if you're into comedy, that's a, that's a good one. Uh, Job Guys is great action. And if you're into the sci-fi kind of dark dark thriller elements then 16 bits is where it's at and of course the haves and the have nots airs on the oprah winfrey network i play leo and future man is on hulu we're filming season three right now season three is the final season it will drop i believe in january it came out season two is this january so i'm guessing january really hilarious show stars josh hutcherson and uh and uh seth Rogen. so really fun stuff uh, a lot of good stuff out there please give me a follow give me a like reach out to me if you uh if you have any questions i'm always there to help motivate and uh help help do anything that i can to help anybody i'm full of good tips and advice so please hit me up awesome man kevin thank you so much for coming on sharing your story i had a great time man great time talking to you i really appreciate it thank you i appreciate you having me on if this conversation added any value to your life or taught you something new or helped you think about things a little bit differently, you don't have to subscribe. You don't have to leave a review. All I ask is that you just tell one friend. We don't care about the numbers. We don't care about the stats and all that stuff. What we do care about is impacting lives. And by telling someone about the show, you're helping us do that. So thanks for tuning in. And remember, Hustle and Motivate is brought to you by JokerMag.com, the home of the underdog.